0: Or on our website in legalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So it's time to get in gear for the end of the year. December is a great time to reflect on the past and prepare for the future. What money decisions do you need to make before 2023? We'll have Ryder weigh in on that and also take your personal finance questions. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Ryder. What uh, financial news do you have
1: in mind today? Good morning. So the thing that's kind of big is just how much the markets are up today and yesterday. Uh, yesterday they were up, kind of anticipating a modest inflation number, and we got a modest inflation number, so they're up even more. I think you heard just uh, just before the show, uh, the Nasdaq up three percent, the Dow up one and a half. They were up uh, smaller numbers yesterday, but overall these past two days have been really exceptional. So, the modest CPI report means that the market thinks the Fed is going to be a little more gentle than they have been. So, we went from expecting a 75 basis point or 0.75, three-quarters of a percent increase in the short-term rates to a half a percent. It Maybe people are thinking it's going to be even less. I know people are also – the markets also predict kind of a longer term where that number is going to land. That number has come down a little bit. And that's an important thing. That's a lesson. I think that the Fed learned out of the great financial crisis in 2008 is that communication communicating not only what they're doing right now but communicating what they're doing in the months and years ahead is is good for the market. Uh so they because if If they raise rates really high one month and then and then bring them back down, it's just a weird period of high rates. But if they can kind of communicate where they think rates are going to go based on their best predictions, the market has a little more to work with. Uh, companies have more to work with. If you know where interest rates are today, you can make some decisions. But if you know where interest rates are going to be for the next five years, you can make a lot more decisions. You can have a lot more confidence in the investments that you're making in the things that you're doing so uh, that's been really good. Um, uh, of course, these the, the inflation numbers are really interesting. Uh, the gasoline is down again month over month. It's up about 10%, just depending on what grade of fuel you're buying, as long as it's not diesel, which is still up really high and affects everything. But uh, most gasoline is only up about 10% over the year. And in fact, uh, plenty of places you can kind of see it about the same place it was at the beginning of the year or or at the end of last year. Used cars or trucks, that was a big thing that that raised inflation a ton. It's actually down a little bit over last year. Food's up more than average, but it's a really mixed bag. Meats are, uh, some meats are actually down. So we talked about beef and pork, the more more expensive meats like beef being actually down uh, year over year, while the less expensive ones, as people shift, as people say, okay, my grocery basket is getting more expensive, I'll swap out this beef for chicken. So the chicken is getting more expensive as there's more demand for it, but it's still a lower cost product. Uh, and the beef is getting cheaper as there's a little less demand for it. So that's just an interesting dynamic. And then a, a huge part of the inflation basket, of course, home prices, rents, uh, it's it's a weird calculation that I not a lot of people really understand that well, but the uh, inflation rate of shelter is at 7.1% which is which is right at the average. Uh, the important thing to remember of course is that everyone experiences inflation differently. So if you have been buying a lot of chicken you've seen that go up 20%. If you if you if you only buy beef then you've seen that go down. If you've moved houses or had to buy a car then you've Experience those parts that have changed just differently from the rest of the basket. Uh, so keep that in mind. Everyone experiences it differently. Maybe your spending is actually flat to down. Uh, maybe your spending is up a lot more than everyone else's.
0: Uh, we've got a caller on the line, but a quick follow up. Um, you know, this time of year, there's a lot of retail spending going on. So is it traditionally this a, an up time of year for the
1: market? Um, so uh, calendar-wise, I believe that Decembers are usually fairly good, heading into the end of the year. Uh, it's it's Interestingly, summers are usually not great, and uh, there's just a lot of dynamics there with uh, the way that people interact with the market and where the key market participants are. Are they on vacation in the summer? Um, so, uh, although seasonality, I, I want to say that seasonality trends, month-to-month trends have been a little less pronounced than they have in years past. It used to be they're they're very reliable, you know, sell in May and go away, Um, the sort of sayings like that. I I think they're a little less pronounced now.
0: All right. Uh, We do have a caller on the line, so we're going to say good morning to Catherine calling in from Columbus. Hello. You're on the air with us, so go ahead.
2: Good morning. Um, This is the time of year when I get an RMD from a venture annuity that uh, I inherited I also get my uh, PERS checks, and I'm looking to find a place to park them. I sometimes think I need a financial advisor, although the cost of the the fees for advice seems to be pretty high considering I have a very modest income. I've just been sticking my money in um, CDs and things like that at the local banks. Also, I'm not too thrilled with the uh, opacity of some of these... um, Companies that hold your money or invest your money—I don't know what kind of oversight there is to prevent mismanagement or um, exorbitant fees. Can you kind of give me some guidance?
1: Yeah, so uh, that's interesting. So the annuity you get an RMD from, and I guess that's going to continue for your lifetime. The purse checks—that uh, thirteenth check just keeps growing every year. That's uh, the the three percent of your total. Uh, total PERS income, uh, and that compounds every year. So uh, that's always pretty exciting for folks who receive PERS to get that 13th check. So it all kind of just depends on what you want with it. If, if you are just looking for a place with a higher yield, uh, we do often find that lo- local banks don't have the best yields. Uh, Brick-and-mortar bank, they know they can rely on people who ne- want or need to come into that local branch mm <laughs> They don't. They don't have necessarily have a ton of competition for those deposits because they're what we call sticky. People are just, are just loath to move their deposits. I talk to people all the time who just tell me how much they hate their bank and this, that, and the other, and it's just terrible. And they have terrible customer service. They're never able to go there. And I'm saying, okay, well, how about this bank? It's great. Like people love it. And they say, oh gosh, no, I would never move. That just seems like way, way too complicated. Uh, and it's really not. So there are some online banks. Of course, interest rates are kind of holding steady or or moderating a little bit, but you can get some decent yields online um, talking about a financial advisor. there's a difference between the price you pay and the value you're receiving. If you're sticking money, for instance, on just a very basic level, if you're sticking money in a bank, they're not paying you any interest, and an advisor can just get you in something that's going to grow a little bit more, that's valuable. If they're going to help you with how that's arranged for your estate, that's valuable. If they're just going to take a lot of worry off your plate, that's valuable. And everybody has different needs. Uh, I'm not saying any of those are going to be necessarily a benefit you're looking for. But it's it's a whole scope of work with your financial life. Um, you know, I, I I really hate it when I see folks who say, oh, I'm not willing to pay X dollars after showing them a plan that will save them multiples of that in taxes or showing them a plan which should help them gain far, far more over some period of time. So, really have to think about what that value is. uh, It's not necessarily relative to your income. It's the price relative to the value. Um, One thing with companies, so you talk about companies that hold your money. I know, so annuities, for instance, you have a contract with the annuity. It's pretty straightforward. You have given, well, in your case, you inherited this. You have not given, but with an annuity, you give your money to the company. It's no longer your money. It's their money. The contract just specifies how they will give it back, how you can get some money out of them. And they are a very... uh, the so the concept behind them is pretty straightforward., uh, the formulas they use to calculate how much money they will give you back or they can give you back can be very complicated. Uh, there are simple annuities and there are complicated ones. I, and I don't you know I don't obviously don't know what what the venture annuity you have uh, looks like. Um, companies of, so for instance, we, we are financial advisors and we use a third party custodian. So, uh, your money is always at that third party custodian and the advisor, we, the advisor we're independent from them. And so we don't actually have our hands on your money. It's always at that third party. So you can kind of, If you trust in that larger third party, that's good and important as well. And you'll always be able to see exactly where your money is and exactly what you have in that from statements from that third-party custodian. Of course, as advisors, we like to report on what we're doing and we like to present reports that hopefully give people a little more uh, insight into what their money is doing for them. Uh, But that can always be verified with someone else. So having that uh, checks and balances is useful. There's all sorts of ways folks work in this industry. Some people actually work for the company, so they are not independent. They may have some not necessarily biases or conflicts of interest, but they may have some things which they would prefer to to you to invest in uh, due to the way they're compensated. So that's always something to watch out for. But I always say when you're talking with a financial advisor, just ask them lots of questions, ask them what their conflicts of interest are, ask them why they recommend the things that they do, ask them how you have oversight of them, ask them uh, how you can stay on top of that oversight. And that's you know, if they're a trustworthy person, hopefully they will be very open to you uh, sharing that information with you and and making sure that your money is safe and secure.
2: Have you heard of Woodman of the uh, Women of America? And they're supposed to have financial advisors
1: locally.
0: Um, yes,
1: yes. So Women of America, I believe the main thing they are going to offer is insurance products and annuities. So again. If you've listened to the show much, you know we're not real big fans of annuities for most folks. It's not uh, often we find the specific annuities don't align with what folks need. Um, but yes, they they will offer offer that sort of product. I'm not sure if they do any investment only products. That's that's not. I don't, I don't know that their whole product line specifically.
2: Okay, so I should probably try to switch this venture annuity that's being administered through John Hancock into something else than you're suggesting.
1: So I'm not making a recommendation about your specific account. I Again, I don't know anything about that annuity. I, I, I don't know how it might align with what what you want. Um, but there are other, while it is an annuity, it probably will need to stay in an annuity. Uh, I'm not sure again, without seeing it. Um, and that is something you might want to just take to an advisor and see what all your options are. It, you may be able to get it out of an annuity product. If it is an inherited, if it's in an IRA, if it is a non-qualified annuity, you may be able to move it to another one that may be lower fee, lower fee, maybe just a little friendlier, maybe just a little better for your situation.
0: All right. Thank you for the phone call. If you have a question for our expert, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion of tasks you can do to tidy up your finances as we close out the year. Have you gotten your free credit report? If not, we'll tell you how to get one. This is Money Talks, our website. Moneytalks.mpbonline.org is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion continue to offer uh, online credit reports. It's recommended that you check all three reports regularly. The website is annualcreditreport.com. It is free. So uh, as we draw to the end of 2022, Ryder, what are some of the things we need to do uh, in terms of reviewing maybe passwords, things like that?
1: Yeah, so just basic account maintenance, account hygiene, uh, things like changed contact information if you've gotten a new phone or maybe you realize oh i had an old work phone on my account or if you've moved or changed your email address uh, updating those making sure again that's updated on all accounts and that's something part of the part of the work of this maintenance is just keeping a list of your accounts you can you can probably have your bank account, your checking account, an investment account, a 401k in your mind right now. But if you stop and think, oh, I also had this little account over there. Maybe you should consolidate some of those. Maybe you should get those under one roof. Maybe you should work with somebody who's going to help you keep track of those. Uh, but just making sure you touch on all of those, even just logging into accounts. I have a, an, an old PayPal account that's connected to an old email address and I hadn't I, I had not consolidated them and so I just I, it was about to kind of lose access forever and I and I saw an email and I unfortunately was able to rescue that but you may lose access to things it's really important at least logging in online if you have online access at least once a year just to keep it active um updating passwords is is a Good idea. I think a little more important is to have very good, strong passwords. Uh, Of course, there are password leaks all the time. So you want to make sure you're not using kind of commonly used passwords. You want to make sure that you're not, you're using fairly unique passwords for all of your different accounts so that someone can't, you know, hack your target card and then turn around and get access to your Trustmark account. Um, So you want to be really careful there. And this is a huge one. And end of year is a great time to think about this, where you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about getting together, you're having those conversations with each other updating your beneficiaries life changes beneficiaries change have you updated that um, for instance if you have grown children are all of your grown children on your beneficiaries do you want all of your children on your <laughs> beneficiaries there's a hundred questions you could ask you know what happens when one of them dies is the beneficiary form going to be satisfactory does a will or a trust cover that account um, estate plan when you're doing estate planning, plan you want to model out scenarios if one of your children dies do their grandchildren get the money or does it just go to your other children or if one dies does is it set up strangely so that you know three grandchildren all of a sudden are getting a larger share than your other children what what does it look like when these scenarios happen cuz these beneficiary forms are not perfect they cannot cover all scenarios so you want to make sure that you've had the conversation so that everybody kind of understands what you want and that everybody is taken care of in the way that you want them to. Um, so one thing we see sometimes is people say, oh, well, this account over here, this is for my son, and this account over here, this is for my daughter. And they are two completely different accounts invested in completely different ways with completely different tax consequences. And maybe when they inherit them, one will get $100,000 that is totally taxable at their highest income rate, and so they'll take home $60,000, and then the other one gets $200,000 that is totally tax-free. And so you just want to kind of imagine these scenarios and, and and ask yourself, do all of these beneficiary things align with what I want to see in the world and how I want them to inherit money? So those are some super, super important things, and, and that's a great thing to think about and to even discuss with your grown children you don't have to share dollar amounts with them but you can share your your vision you can say i love you all equally but uh little johnny gets all the money or (laughs) you know what i've never liked little johnny but i'm still going to give him a share and y'all don't fight about it so having those sort of conversations while you're still alive can really ease the transition when you are uh when you're gone so, a thing
0: online about passwords and all the simple ones people mm. use, and of course, you know, password one password two three six, four, buddy four five, four three two one.
1: Oh, dude, don't share your passwords online, Kevin. <laughs> Q- I, we're on the, this, this is live radio. Q W E R T Y, you know. All <laughs> I do.
0: Though one of my favorite suggestions for a password is to take a sentence, and then for for example, I might have a password that would be I H A
1: G C. I have a green car. All right, everybody writing that down? That's right. Do we have that written down, folks? Okay. Then you add, you know, <laughs> can add numbers or whatever, but anyway, as long as you can yeah. remember what
0: sentence you use, I mm-hmm. think that that's a good way of
1: Or even if if it's one of those that allows long passwords, you can just use several words because that is uh, th- that is more complicated than just a small simple phrase or even a smaller smaller set of of random letters and i'm i'm a big advocate of using password managers i'm a little wary of the ones that do uh syncing through the cloud, but one locally on your computer, I'm a little wary of the ones that are just like in your browser, but ones that are built into your computer, uh, built into your phone, those can be useful. Uh, Look into the security of those, of course, password manager, two factor authentication on important things. So your bank may send you a text when you try to log in, and so you can you can log you can use that to help log in. And another kind of development in the password world this is this is coming. Uh, you'll you, I've started seeing a lot of uh applications talking about them a lot of websites talking about them a lot of password managers offering support for them but it's called pass keys I, I am I do not have the authority to speak on this this would be a fantastic one for our for our uh, computer show uh, but pass keys are probably going to become a, a much more prevalent way of logging into at least your major things and it's just a lot more secure and so you don't have to remember passwords you get kind of one-time access every time you want to log in and, and it should be more secure. So that is something to look into, not be afraid of. I think Microsoft does something like that. I have what they call the authenticator. And once
0: you download it, mm-hmm. when you try to log in, it sends a message to your phone. It says which number is on your screen and if you yes. match them up. And so that is a lot easier. I, I do the two-step notification thing, but that's a at that gets to be a pain Uh,
1: yes the authenticator app is is a very good that so that is another type of two-factor authentication i think that style is a lot more secure than the text message based one Uh, but the text some for some folks the text message based one might be super convenient for some they may like that app
0: got another caller on the line on money talks laura has called in today and laura it's your turn you're on the air with us go ahead
2: Good morning. Um, I just tuned into your broadcast. I'm not even sure if this topic has been discussed, but I've been reading about um, fiduciaries and trying to – how would you go about finding a financial advisor or an investment company that is a fiduciary?
1: That is a great question. So, And I'm very glad that people are starting to use that word and know that word and understand that word. A fiduciary – is someone who puts your interest before their own. That's kind of the simple and happy way to think about it. It means probably that they've done a lot of work to eliminate conflicts of interest between what you need your best interest and their income uh they are not typically you would not have a fiduciary be offering you products for which they were sold to commit they were given a commission or th- th- maybe they had variable commissions depending on what they sold you or or what sort of plan they put you in um we have always been fee only, meaning the end client uh, is the one paying us. We don't have other people paying us. Say, hey, pitch our mutual fund, or you know, get them to use this type of account, or or, or what have you. Um, first thing to do is ask them, are you a fiduciary? But go beyond that because the fiduciary standard, there is a legal definition of fiduciary that has allowed. I, in my opinion, more people to say they are fiduciaries than are truly, truly looking out for their clients' best interests and, and conflict free. I would ask them to describe what a fiduciary is to you? And I would ask them, really, one of the biggest things in my mind is about that conflicts of interest. And I'll say, what conflicts of interest do you have? Uh, And this is particularly in the world of not to pick on them, but in the world of insurance sales folks, they are mostly employed by a company that offers a certain suite of products. And those products may be good insurance products, but they can't, my, my Allstate insurance agent isn't going to look and check Progressive and Geico before he offers me my product. I have to go and make sure that he's offering me the best product because I go to him specifically for what his company offers and that is what he is able to offer me. So that's just that's just the model. I, you can't go to one grocery store and necessarily expect them to price match or necessarily even quality match another grocery store's product. They are going to sell the products they have. That's just what they have. It's not, it's not necessarily, ah, this is, this is what Laura needs. Laura needs, uh, Laura needs mangoes for 99 cents a pound. So we're going to lower the price for her because I know that's what she needs. Um, so that's what I would do. I would, I would ask them if they are fiduciary, ask them what that means, and ask them to detail conflicts of interest, where all they get paid from, and where any possible conflicts may come up.
2: Okay. So you can't necessarily just look up a company or a person and see if they are a fiduciary? You just have
1: to ask everybody? Not necessarily. It's not like a a label. And and again, like I said, I think a, legally speaking, a lot more people can say they are a fiduciary. Uh, people are, can say they are fiduciary while having some conflicts of interest uh, legally they do have to disclose a lot of these uh they there 's some there 's some paperwork involved with that there 's some disclosure involved with that so that 's important but it 's not it 's again m- more people can say they are fiduciary than might really be upholding the highest standard, at least the highest standard in my mind that I think most people deserve.
0: All right, Laura, thanks for your call. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion of getting in gear for the end of the year in just a bit. No one knows what the future holds except for one thing. We'll talk about that next. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. It was Ben Franklin who said, in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Well, we've touched on taxes. As for the death part, is your will and your advanced health care directive up to date? That's a chore to accomplish soon. Got another caller on the line. Now we're going to say good morning to Mike from Memphis. Mike, you're on the air. Go ahead.
2: How are you guys doing this morning?
1: Good. So, um,
2: I've retired from this industry, but uh, the easy way to explain an annuity is it's an insurance policy. You give them so much money and they're going to guarantee to pay it back. It's not in the market. That's that's money you've taken out of the market, you bought an insurance policy, and you have a guaranteed income for life. And it's, it's I always had so... So much trouble explaining this to people. You're out of the market. Now, you can continue to add money and increase that payout, but it's an insurance policy. And as he knows, you have to have certain licenses to sell annuities. And that's all. I just wanted to make a simple explanation for it.
1: Sure, yeah, and and we always like to go back as well, uh, very similar to what you said, to just the academic definition of an annuity. is simply a stream of payments. So in some way, you are buying a stream of payments uh, in the future. So you're buying that future income, like you said. Um, what I think is complicated about annuities, uh, the actual product that is often sold, uh, there are some simple ones. Like I said, they are fixed annuities where it's very simple. You can put your money in, they say, we're going to give you a 3% until you start taking out we can calculate those numbers today see what your income is going to be what we can't calculate is what that future in, uh, inflation rate might be what you actually might need what you might have missed out on but there also are some very complicated annuities and I see these I see these all the time uh, folks with all sorts of bells and whistles and features. And yes, very often that kind of guaranteed 0% floor where we say, okay, you're not going to lose money but for instance, you may also not have much a chance of gaining money. So for instance, I, I was looking at one that was ostensibly invested in the S&P 500. And on the statement, it showed uh, this year, the S&P 500 increased from this to this, that is a 19.5% increase. Your uh, your annuity investment, they had two parts, again, ostensibly invested in the S&P 500, ostensibly an aggressive investment. Uh, yours was capped at 3%. So S&P 500, 19.5, they got 3% on that one. And then another one was a complicated formula of taking some average of the S&P 500. So essentially, they got half of the S&P 500 minus uh, a fee of 4.7%. So the complications often come in the way those things are calculated. So we often see very glowing projections of where this is going. It's very easy. They say, oh, the S&P 500, it's returned 8% on average or or whatever that number is at that time, what you're looking at, what what time period you're looking at. But if the actual return to the uh, annuity holder, to the contract holder, ends up being some Calculation of that, which is just never going to reach that. They are maybe being, uh, maybe looking at the most rosy side of the projection. Um, so again, the concept of annuity, it's fine. It's that stream of payments. That's what you're buying, uh, but you have to understand the calculations. You have to understand the access you may or may not have to that money. And you have to understand, again, you have given that money to an insurance company and they are only obligated to that stream of payments back to you. And just to touch on as well what one of the previous callers, uh, Laura, right after she hung up, the, again, I want to emphasize one of the things I said is it while you. Can't necessarily just Google and find a list of fiduciaries in your area, because again, I think a lot more people will be able to claim that they are fiduciary than really are holding that highest, highest standards of no conflicts. But uh, looking for folks who are independent, and often they will say they are independent. And uh, folks who are fee only, uh, those are two good ways to find folks who have really worked to reduce their conflicts. Again, independent means they are not obligated by any, any product developer uh, to, to sell their specific product. Uh, fee only means you are the only one paying them. They are compensated by your fee only, and so those are two uh, terms to look for uh, that may that may help you uh, narrow down your search.
0: This is Money Talks. We're discussing steps to take at the end of the year to keep your personal finances on track. Uh, while we're still here at the end of 2022, Ryder, let's talk a little bit about uh, taxes.
1: Yeah, so this is this is a good a time as any to review where your withholdings are uh, from your paycheck. Uh, especially if you know that you're getting a raise or maybe you have a year in bonus, maybe you've changed jobs, maybe your household income has changed dramatically, uh, end of year is a good time to do that. You kind of have a good idea of what's going to come next year. The form you want to update is the Form W-4. If you work for a company, they will be able to uh, direct you to that, maybe help you fill that out some. Uh, another good time to review this, though, is right after taxes. If you if you only have uh, regular W-2 paycheck income and you find yourself getting a large refund or having to pay in a large amount, that is a good time to say, oh, I clearly did my withholding wrong. I need to adjust that for this year. If you work with a CPA or tax preparer, they should be able to give you some guidance on your withholding there. Uh, Year-end, you're probably getting a lot of charity solicitations, now, we don't have that I, – I loved when we had that special $300 deduction per person, uh, kind of above-the-line deduction. If you gave $300 to charity, you could write it off. Fantastic. You don't have to itemize your taxes. Uh, however, if you do give larger donations, larger cash donations, or we talked about giving stock, you may hear the MPB Foundation advertisements asking for stock. We may be a little late if you uh, in the year, uh, just as far as processing times. You always gotta the deadline is December thirty first, but of course the deadline also assumes that people are whoever is helping you process the information, uh, the paperwork will be able to get it done by them. But giving stock. Uh, highly appreciated stock. You may have some, especially if you've held it for a number of years. It may be okay to, to do it now. Um, or if you want to give multiple years worth of gifts, say a lot of people will give to their church or give to their school or give to their, their favorite causes annually. And if you say, hey, I'm going to give you uh, twice my normal donation in December, and I want you to they're not going to count it they're not they may not they may not list you as a donor for both years but they are getting that same amount uh from you and they'll kind of understand that that's what it's for if you have a good relationship to that institution you are giving to i think that's a good way to kind of maximize you know your impact uh for the charity and for yourself with taxes
0: uh, so when it comes to adjusting your tax withholdings am i correct to say that if you get a large refund You would want to decrease your withholding. And if you Mm -hmm. owe, you would want to increase. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's something, you know, if you get twelve hundred dollars back, that was one hundred dollars every month you could have had. You could have been going ahead and putting that in savings. I know some people like to do that as a tool to give themselves a bonus and maybe they're just a little more disciplined with that. Uh, but if, if you're, you have a good handle on your spending, if you're disciplined with your finances, just kind of optimizing that, paying the right level of taxes is going to allow you to maximize your own uh, spending and saving and investing, uh, possibly even allowing you to put that $100, if you clearly didn't need it all year, put that $100 a month into your 401k or your IRA and decrease your taxes further.
0: So we've given you quite a list of things to get done before the next year starts. But if you need some help, we'll tell you how to get some. That's next. We're pleased you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tath, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Tuesdays at 10, listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. It always follows our show. We've been talking this hour about getting your finances in gear for the end of the year. But if you need help refer back to the June 30th, 2020 Money Talks uh, broadcast, where we talked about choosing a professional. You can find that podcast or listen on our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Steve has been holding for us uh, from Gulfport. Steve, thanks for holding on, but it's your turn now, and you're on the air, so go ahead.
2: Yes, I'm considering adding a a dividend producing a mutual fund to my portfolio, and I just wanted to know what was your take on uh, that kind of fund?
1: Uh, Sure. So just for the broader audience, dividend producing mutual fund, we're talking about a mutual fund, we're talking about a collection of stocks, either there's a manager actively picking out, oh, here are the best dividend producing stocks, or maybe someone's come, come up with a formula to pick out the best one, and they have a low cost index fund there. There's a lot of these, it's a very popular kind of way to invest. My approach is typically a little different. It's a total return approach, we often say, and it's both dividend and price appreciation. Uh, With just dividends, that's fine. You tend to go towards larger, more stable, uh, profitable companies. So that can be a way in itself of just picking a, a, tilting your fund to slightly higher quality companies i th- I, I think that 's a fine idea. I do think sometimes people get a little i just want a, a a warning people sometimes do get a little carried away with dividend producing companies and if you look particular for Uh, high yielding companies, sometimes you get into some kind of weird areas of the market with uh, real estate investment trusts or uh, business development companies, which may have weird tax implications and may actually make your life and your taxes a little more complicated, may end up not yielding as much as you thought. And of course, if the price of a company stock has come down a lot, the dividend, because we're always looking back when we calculate that dividend yield, because we don't, we're not, 100% Hundred percent sure of the future, so it's it's the regulation wise. It's easy just to calculate what has been paid out. Then, as the price declines, that dividend looks larger. It doesn't necessarily make it more attractive. If that, if that company stock has declined for good reason, for instance, the market thinks it's going to cut the dividend, then you may be getting in at the wrong time. Uh, the way you mentioned going with a dividend producing fund, a dividend producing mutual fund, ETF, what have you. I think that's a good way to do it. It should certainly be uh it could certainly be a part of your investment mix. The one caution I would have is make sure it's not veering too far from the sort of uh stock exposure you're looking for. If it's gonna be your entire large cap portfolio, you don't want it to be, for instance, just focused on one or two sectors, because then you're overly exposed to those two sectors when you really wanted a broad market diversification. So just make sure it's not going to veer too far from that. If you like some of your return coming from dividends, that's totally fine. I wouldn't get carried away thinking, oh, dividends are a better way of getting money than price appreciation. They are both great ways of earning money in your portfolio. Uh, dividends, you just have a little less control over.
2: Okay. Uh, it's also my understanding that um, it's best to buy – if you were to buy into one of these funds that you buy after – the, um, like the New Year's after the um when they pay out all the dividends. Yeah, so Actually. that
1: is there's an interesting point there in that uh, mutual funds they pay out dividends, they typically pay out dividends kind of as they happen, maybe monthly, maybe quarterly but they also pay out long term and short term capital gains. And this is just a weird facet of mutual funds that you got to watch out for if you're invested in mutual funds, they will typically pay those out in December, you can look up the fund company will publish their schedule of of payments, and they will publish uh, how much they're going to pay out what it be at income, dividend, capital gain, uh, short term or long term. And what you're pointing out here is that Say a mutual fund is trading for ten dollars and it's going to pay out a dollar in short term capital gains. Well, on day on Tuesday, that fund is worth ten dollars. On Wednesday, so if you buy it on Tuesday, you get ten dollars. You pay ten dollars, you get ten dollars worth of fund. On Wednesday, that dividend is paid out and you have a nine dollar mutual fund and you have one dollar of short term capital gains. The issue with buying it right before that dividend, we're getting into kind of a a little more nuanced, a little more complicated piece. So I'm maybe losing our broader audience here, but hang with me here. Uh, the 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 issue with buying it before that pays out is that the tax situation. Your taxes on a short-term capital gain or an income payment are. Uh, higher than they would be on just a regular dividend payment, they're higher than what it would be on a long term capital gain. And so that's another example of in a mutual fund, you have a little less control of when some of that gets paid out to you. So that's something to watch for. Yes, those are typically paid out in the year end, so you can't avoid it just by wholesale waiting till January. You can also look at these funds and see what they've published. Typically, they publish it. They start publishing this information about a month or so in advance. You can say, okay, this one is not going to have a lot of payouts, or this one is going to have an, you know, only capital gains, so I'm not super worried about it. Or you're buying in an IRA, so you're not worried about any of that at all. But that that's the issue with the dividend payout that people are worried about. And, again, that's a slightly different conceptualization of dividends than what you're talking about when you're talking about a company paying dividends.
2: All right. Well, I'll take that all into consideration. Thanks. For all right.
1: For good, good, have a good search.
0: Thanks for the call. This uh, – got a couple minutes left. Uh, personal finance might be more enjoyable if you treat it like a game or a challenge – Roder, right, what are some strategies to win at saving money?
1: Um, do more of it uh, than everyone else. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this kind of year in review, just like any game that you're playing, you want to check in and see how am I doing at this game. This is this is this is why we have locker room talks at, uh, at halftime. Uh, so checking in and saying, am I have I saved enough for this point in life? Have I saved enough for this goal I have uh, going ahead? Um, a few places, kind of large financial things that are hopefully in the background most of the time that you can always tweak a little bit, uh, insurance policies. Uh, so be that life insurance uh, or casualty insurance, you know, in your home, your your cars, even your health insurance, if you have options in your health insurance. Do you have the right coverage is one very important thing, if anything, because the point of insurance is not to get the cheapest insurance. The point of insurance is to get the right coverage. Then you look to see where can I get that at a reasonable cost? Uh, So not only reducing that premium if needs be, but making sure the coverage is appropriate and uh, reviewing credit cards you have. Maybe you have some credit cards that have a high fee on them that you haven't really used. You're not benefiting from them. If you've had them a while, you can often call the credit card company ask to be downgraded to a free version uh, they would like to keep you as a customer but if it's no longer the benefits are no longer fitting your needs or your lifestyle say it was some travel benefits and you're just not you're just not going to that resort anymore you may instead of canceling and dinging your credit report reduce it to a free version still use it from time to time but that should save you a couple of dollars as well
0: all right. That's going to wrap us up today. Thanks for everybody who called in today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. Our podcast producer is Jermaine Flood and our call screener today was Charles Arnold. For writer Taft, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at nine for Money Talks only on MPB Think Radio.